Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Optimistically Depressed, and I am your host, Ruth McMullen. Thanks for joining me. This week is one of the final weeks of the summer. It's been a good summer. It's been a great summer. But I think that all of us kind of feel this um, urge to have a bit more routine in their lives by the end of summer, and that's what I'm starting to feel right now. Another thing is that all three of my kids are going to be starting school this September, and that's a first for me. For the first time in almost 10 years, all of my kids are going to be in school, and it's exciting. It's very exciting. It's also sad. It's an end of an era. I'm actually going into this new stage of parenting, and I'm going to be having seven hours a day where I can actually put time towards projects that I've been working on or, you know, actually getting housework done or doing some more planning for the future because I'm not going to be so distracted by a thousand questions being asked by three different sources at pretty much every moment of the day. I'm excited about it. I'm nervous about it. I'm a little sad about it. Another thing that makes me kind of scared is just the fact that I am going to have that time to myself now. And it makes me feel like there's something that I need to be making up for. You know, being a mother alone, home with the kids, is very demanding. I can have other things I want to try to do that day, but I don't necessarily get it done because kids kind of throw wrenches into things. It's not their fault. They're just doing their job. Like, for example, yesterday I finished cleaning my room. Then the kids played hide-and-seek. Now my room is a mess again. It's just kind of how it goes. Or clean the bathroom. Kids go outside and they play for a while in the, the sand or the dirt. They come inside, they have a bath. There's dirt all over the floor and in the bath again. There's just always stuff to do. It gets a little bit maddening, but it's also part of the fun stage of having young children, and they're pretty awesome. However, that is starting to end now. My children are going to be in school. I'm going to have this time, this undistracted time at home. And I'm a bit scared because I have these projects that I've been starting, and I've been working on bit by bit, but now I'm going to actually have more time to do them, which means that I'm going to have this feeling that I need to answer to more of what I'm doing with my time. <laughs> I, can't, I can't really say, you know, I've been distracted anymore because I'm not going to be. And if these projects don't make it as far as I want them to make it, then I have, I have to answer for that. And it's going to be because I did something wrong or the timing wasn't right. It's just scary, but it's exciting. And I think that I've been doing enough mental preparation for this, and I've had enough people in my life that explain to me, that have explained to me that life isn't always a string of events going the way that you hoped they would go. Everyone who's lived knows that. And it's all about the fight. It's all about trying and trying again and trying again, being persistent. That's what I've been trying with this podcast. I've 
messed up a lot of things. I actually had an experience for the first time where I lost a podcast. We had a technical difficulty and it got deleted or disappeared anyway. I'm learning and it's exciting, but you know, I'm going to get bruised up and scraped along the way. So all of that to say, this year is a big one. This year coming is going to be a big one. And I'm a little nervous, but I'm excited. I'm very excited. And I'm feeling quite ready to have projects not work out the way that I hoped they would and having greater success in other areas that I didn't think I would. I'm excited for the people, the new people that I'm going to be meeting, and I'm excited for hearing back more from all of you because your feedback really helps me. So I've been getting some feedback from some of you, and it's incredibly helpful. Any pointers that you have, I'm really glad to hear. And, uh, you know, the encouragements that have been coming my way are just, they do more, they make more of an impact than you might even realize. And some people who might have some constructive criticism to pass my way, I'm grateful for that as well, because like, how else am I going to learn? So I got to interview Kirsten again. You may recognize her. She has done one podcast with me before, and she is so strong and, and very well-spoken. I really enjoyed doing this podcast with her. I enjoyed doing the first one as well. And she actually was able to come back and tell me about some progress that she's made since the last time she's been on the show. She had a couple a couple instances in her life, a couple events in her life that made her think that she wanted to make some changes. And so then she did. She made those changes and she's seen the results from them and she talks about it. It's fascinating and it's so inspiring, especially at this time in my life I'm, as I'm approaching what I was just talking about. So I hope that all of you find it to be just as inspiring as I found it to be. And I think that the timing of it is quite great because I think that with September, everyone just kind of feels that another year is starting and they're feeling motivated and ready to go. They want to make those changes and see what results come as those changes are put in place. And we can now be inspired by Kirsten as she shows us and tells us about the changes that she's made and the difference that they've made in her life. So everyone, once again, I'm so pleased to introduce Kirsten. start this wherever we want to start it that's cool I like that isn't that you just hold the power (laughs) I I don't feel like I do I think you do (laughs) (laughs) well you can kind of tell me what to do it's true it's true it's true true. so uh hey everybody I'm here with Kirsten she's back for round two which has me thrilled because the last conversation we had was fascinating I enjoyed it very much and she has more to share which is awesome so uh Kirsten Hey. Hello, everybody. How you um, doing? I'm good. I'm really good. I actually uh, just got here on my way, or I was I was going to the gym, actually, um, 
earlier today, so I came here right after that. So I'm feeling good. I feel like I look good. I'm great. You, you look fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Once I opened the door, I was just like, hello. <laughs> yeah, you look great. Honestly, I've been hearing that for the past um, like two weeks, and I'm not getting sick of hearing it. So it's really <laughs> nice. <laughs> it just wow, that's awesome. honestly, it just kind of like motivates you to keep going. So yeah, it's really nice to hear. Yeah. Um, actually, speaking of fitness, one of the things that I wanted to talk about today was uh, kind of the connection between your mental and physical health. Yes. Um, so the last time I was on here, I was uh, you asked me that age-old question of like, what does being mentally healthy mean to you? And I'm sure everyone gave different answers, but for me personally, mine was getting back into the gym, Mm. uh, which was a super important thing in my life because I was really involved with it two to three years ago. And then um, what happens to a lot of people is you get comfortable in your relationships, you just get complacent and yes, yeah, you just kind of forget about how you look until one day you look in the mirror and you're not happy anymore. Yes. Um, So... That actually, this podcast actually helped me um, get back into the gym because when you asked me that question, I realized, yeah, it's probably about time that I do that. Um, oh my gosh. So it was really good because, well, it's just one of those things I th- where I said it out loud and then I, I was like, well, I've probably got to make some actions happen now. Um, so uh, I ended up going back to the gym and oh my God. It was so hard that first week. (laughs) Like everyone always tells you, you got to get through. It's like smoking. You know, you got to get through like three days, three weeks. Three is always the magic number. Mm -hmm. Um, But that first week, I don't know. I, I went every day and I ate the healthiest I think I've ever eaten because I wanted to do like this really great kickstart in the beginning. Mm. So uh, luckily I had my best friend with me and she's been my motivation through this whole thing, which is great. Um, Love having a buddy at the gym. It definitely helps a lot. But uh, yeah, that first week I just, it's one of those, um, I don't know, you kind of just want immediate results, like everything in life. But I, Mm. I don't know if that's just our generation because we're so obsessed with having things so instantly. Yes. Or if it's, uh, you just get impatient and you're tired and you're sad and you're depressed and it's like, it's just a whole turmoil of emotions. So I don't know if it's, uh, it has anything to do with my age or my generation, but it was just awful that first week because I was like, I'm doing so many things and I'm eating so good and I'm yeah. like, really pushing myself. Like, why aren't I seeing results? You, I know, I know exactly what you mean because earlier this year I gained some weight as well. And so I started back into exercising and everything and I was feeling the same way uh, and, and wondering the exact, the exact same thing. Yeah. Is it this generation like that? We've just been raised to be more impatient because of technology basically. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I feel that. Um, so the first week it was really tough and you're right, actually. It, it, it doesn't matter whether it's a week or a month or whatever, even a few days. You just feel like you've made a drastic change and you just want to see some kind of some kind of sign to make you keep going. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it, it's like a lot of things in life where you just have to get through a trial period and keep pushing. And then once you get there, once you get to that point where you know that you're actually doing something, it's working, mm. uh, then you just keep going from there and that becomes constant motivation. But I'm glad that someone else has gone through that because oh, I feel you. you just kind of, uh, in the moment, you feel like 
oh, I'm the fattest person in the world and I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I'm going through this by myself. But it's, it's not the case at all. In fact, I think a lot of women like feel it even changing their diet. They didn't have to be going to the gym. They could just be like eating more broccoli. <laughs> but yeah. um, it's really interesting because when I was going through this and I was getting really fed up with myself and my best friend and I would have these really big heart to heart conversations where uh, we both would express how much of a change we knew we needed to make, but um, neither one of us was seeing anything and it was just really frustrating. And so you have to have someone to vent about that stuff too. So it was really yes. great that I had her for that as well. Awesome. Uh, so not only did we work out together, but then we like bitched about it later. So <laughs> <laughs> that was lovely. I loved having that. Um, it's so important. Oh, it's so, you need a support system in every in aspect of your life. Every, yes. Absolutely. In every single aspect of your yeah. life. And actually, one thing that I found is that um, sometimes the support system is not always the same person. It's like, Very so I true. have like my different support people for different aspects of my life. That's really cool that you just said that, actually, because um, something I realized within the last uh, five years was that I have all these different parts of myself that I really love, and they all come out at different times with different people. And at first I thought, like, maybe I don't know who I am. Like, am I lost? And I, I just am trying to find my personality or what I like. And and then I uh, realized that there actually are, like, multiple levels to who I am and, and pieces of who I am that only come out when certain people are around. And I actually love that. I think that's really great. I – thank you. And thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just hit a nail on the head, didn't you I? totally did. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. Do you feel like you have the same... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And they're, yes. They're all different support systems. Like you're... I mean, the most obvious one is who you are with your family, whether mm. that be uh, the family gr you grew up with or the family you created. Mm. And then who you are with your best friend is kind of... Uh, a, a part of you that you let loose more than any other part. Yeah. Yes. And that could be like your best friend could even be um, the person that you're with. Like it doesn't matter whether it's your husband or wife or if it's someone you grew up with or if it's someone you met and just instantly connected with. Like, yes. yes. And then who you are around strangers, which is also really interesting because you only give away very small pieces of yourself. And yes, you yeah. have this whole front that's prepared and ready to go. Yeah. And then, but your real self that's something you only give out in a very small amount when you're... It's really funny. Um, I haven't talked about this in a really long time, so I have to refresh my memory a bit, but uh, one of my friends in high school actually told me that their mom went to go see this play. I love this story. Um, she went to go see this play, and it was... Sorry, it wasn't a play. It was a ballet. Ooh, okay. And um, it was actually about how you have seven veils of who you are, and how as you meet people and get to know people, you start to unveil like different uh, layers. And when you first meet someone for the very first time, like you maybe give them just one. So you maybe ask questions like, or actually, I shouldn't even say ask questions. You maybe answer questions by saying, oh, my significant other, my partner, blah, blah, blah. And then as you get to know someone, it becomes, oh, my husband, Sean. And then as like as you keep going, sometimes... Um, you get deeper and deeper depending on how well you know somebody. Sometimes you hit like a wall and it just doesn't go past that that point. But the whole point of the ballet was how there's one piece of yourself at the very bottom that you actually always keep to yourself. And those things could be like 
guilty pleasures that you've never told anyone you have, like certain shows that you just would never admit that you love, but you, you watch them by yourself. Mm. Um, or they could be like certain foods that someone or everyone in your life would judge you for loving. Um, mm. like I knew, I knew someone, this was when they were pregnant. So, but it was, they loved dill pickle and mustard. And that was the weirdest thing I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. But it could be really small, minuscule things, or it could be something huge, like a secret you just never told anyone. But the whole point of the ballet was that, um, there's that one layer that you always keep to yourself. And it's, it's how you like know who you are because you don't give it away to anyone. It was really, really, really interesting. And I always loved that. I think that has a lot to do with what I was saying about how you are different people. You're a different person with different people. Mm. And um, maybe it it could just be that you give away different layers to different people. But I always like that idea that when you're alone, you're just your your very true self. I think that's really interesting. That is fascinating. (laughs) Sorry, we got kind of off topic with that, but... Um, it, it ties in a little bit to, to what I was talking about with fitness. Um, again, something that I realized within the last year was that, uh, a lot of, a lot of fitness metaphors actually work for mental health as well. And I don't, I don't know if this is something that someone has said for years or if this is just some realization that I've made, but one thing that, uh, I realized within the last year was that like we were talking about immediate results, Mm. um, a lot of the same thing goes for mental health issues, you know, like you're having a bad day and you want that relief like now, and you, yeah. like whether it's a conversation and someone says, oh, it's fine, it's fine, everything's okay and they fix it for you or whether it's drugs, it could be a million different things. But the point is that we want that gratification like right away. Yeah. We want to be healed right away. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think that's a lot of the time why we end up getting so upset over it is because it takes so long to get healthy, whether that's physically or mentally. Um, But I thought that was really interesting because dealing with depression and anxiety is is a lot like weight loss, you know, like you can't expect to be okay and feel better without putting in the work Uh, the same way you can't expect to see results from the gym without actually doing something, you know, like you've got to keep going, you've got to keep trying. Um, you have to put in the effort and then both of them take time. Um, I mean, for me last episode, we were talking about how like my vice, my thing that I wanted instant gratification from was drugs. Mm. That was my way of fixing my mental health. Now that was my way of doing it immediately, but obviously it wasn't the healthy way. And the same thing goes for fitness. There's all these fad diets, diet pills, things that could probably work surgery. You know, it could work like in two seconds, but it's not the best way to go about things. And if you want like long lasting results and you want to be healthy for a long period of time, it's the same thing. You know, you have to to put in the work, you have to spend the time, go to therapy, talk to people, get support systems, like Mm, all these different things. Um, So it's kind of been cool because I've been tying the two together a lot. And uh, not only just in, in the sense that I've realized that they're very similar, but also because I wanted to go back to the gym because you asked me that question of what means what what's mentally healthy healthy to you. I wanted to go back to the gym because I wanted to feel better. I yes, I wanted to look good and I wanted to be happy with my body, but man, I just wanted to feel good every day. And mm. um, some days are you know like even even though you go to the gym, you come back and you're like, well, that's still a bad day, but it's not a bad life, you know. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Someone's been saying that a lot to me lately, so it's just been sticking in my mind. But I like that. um, 
yeah, it's, it's, uh, it actually for the most part has improved my mental health a lot. In fact, I saw my doctor for the first time in two years because I was in school. Mm-hmm. And the first thing she said to me was, wow, you look like you're doing a lot better than the last time I saw you. Wow. Granted, the last time I saw her, I was trying to come off medication. So I was like, look, I really want to try to do this the natural way. If it fails, it fails. And I go back on or we figure out a different system. But I just I want to I really want to try to do this on my own. And I want to see if fitness is something that I can use to uphold my mental health, like in a better way. And uh, because before before I was ever on medication, that's exactly what did it. That's what really helped. Um Again, like it wasn't 100% of the time, but that's where I just had to put in the extra work. Mm. And so when I saw her, um, that's the first thing that she said was, wow, you look like you're doing a lot better. Because I was smiling, I was laughing, and uh, that was also really good to hear because it meant that someone else could actually see that in me. And I mean, my doctor sees me for 10 minutes at an appointment, you know? Like imagine how the people in my life every day see me. Yes. And it's kind of hard hearing from your best friends um, that you're doing a lot better because you're like, well, you love me and you care about me and you want you want me to do the best I can. So you're just going to say that because that's what you're supposed to say when you're going back to the gym and you're making healthy choices. Um, but then hearing uh, someone that, again, I see three times a year for 10 minutes at a time to hear her say that, like that actually meant that I was doing something really, really, really good. So I was really, really proud of that. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I've um, I've been trying to uh, also contact. There's this one girl that I follow on Instagram. She's been such an amazing inspiration for me, not just physically, but she's the first person I've ever followed on Instagram that has been like a health activist that actually shares shares the same like cores and values and and uh, morals and stuff that I do when it comes to fitness. Um, because my brother kind of shaped me into a very specific person when it comes to like health. Okay. And I'm glad about that actually, because he, I I agree with a lot of the things that he says, whether it's, um, a forum at the gym and how like you, you want to, you want to sustain your body's health. You don't want to, um, do something again, like do something quick, get immediate results and then ruin your body, which is what a lot of people end up doing and then there's injuries and you know like a lot of stuff like that so she kind of shares the exact same values and she's approaching health in a really interesting way too like not just um like healthy eating but I think a lot of people end up giving up because they don't know what to cook they don't know what to eat they don't know what's best for their body they don't know how to sustain a healthy diet because again like there's all these fad diets and stuff so Mm. um her thing is trying to get people not to give up even when it gets hard. But anyway, yeah, she's been a amazing motivator and she actually posted, she's, she does a lot of like interaction with her uh, followers. Okay. So she posted this thing, actually kind of like you do, you do that a lot too, uh, which oh. is what I really like about you. <laughs> you Sheesh, interact thanks. a lot with, uh, with fans of yours. So um, oh, she, she kind of does the same thing in the sense that she posted... Uh, a photo today and said, what are you most proud of that you've done recently? Oh, that's so cool. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, because she's like a fitness page, a lot of people were like, oh, I got my personal, like I got my PR up to a certain amount of reps or a certain amount of sets or a certain weight. Mm -hmm. And then there were some people who were like, oh my God, I graduated school. And she, she would answer every person and be like, that's so great. I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. Like keep going. 
Um, so that's cool that's that so she interacts cool. with people. Yeah. yeah. And she's only in her early 20s, which, and she's insanely fit and is, has been able to sustain that like most of her life. So wow. that's kind of awesome. But yeah. I actually liked, uh, I ended up commenting and saying like, oh, I graduated school. I came off medication. Uh, I got back into the gym and I'm lifting weights again. And I actually got a little over halfway my PR. So I'm getting really close. And it's freaking awesome. Yeah, I'm psyched. <laughs> um, it's very gratifying. But yeah. And then I, I listed off all these things that I had done. And she actually reached out to me personally through like an instant message. And she was like, oh, my God, that's so awesome that you've done all these things. Like girl to girl, that's wicked. I was on medication for five years. I was on it like me personally. I was on it for six. And she was like, so I know exactly how you feel. Wow. And we just ended up having this really great conversation. And I just told her, I was like, you know what, you are one of the only people that I follow that has been really, really inspiring, not oh. just for like fitness, but for health in general, like mental health, physical health, that's emotional amazing. health. Amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. It's, that's so awesome. And it's so important to like have people around you to help remind you that it's okay to sit in the pain. Absolutely. Because that's not what, like, just because you feel that in the moment or in the day mm-hmm. or in that week, it's not defining your life. Absolutely. I find that's so awesome because I, I find that I myself even like I can get so caught up in this idea that mm-hmm. I feel so horrible right now. And like, is this is this feeling ever going to go away? Is this yeah. my life? And I have people around me that are familiar with the pain and are familiar with just being there with it and letting mm-hmm. it like take its time and properly move through it so that it's something that they can they can become more familiar with and then when they encounter it again later it's not as scary to them oh yeah and it's so inspiring to have those kinds of people around you absolutely because they they make you better like they make you better yeah that's so awesome okay keep going no i i you actually just reminded me that um when I was younger, I had this best friend who, whenever I was scared of something, uh, she would always get me to describe what I was scared of. And I realized that what she was doing was not getting me to take my mind off of it. She was actually getting me to break my problem down so that it became like less and less and less and less and less. It's kind of like, um, you know, what's your monster? Describe your monster. What does he look like? And like all of these things would just get me to realize that okay, I can deal with this. I can deal with this. I can also deal with this. So what am I actually even scared of? And I still kind of do that to myself. Um, that's really smart. these days as an adult. Yeah. I like, I realize that when I'm, uh, dealing with stress even, uh, over something, um, I, I just keep breaking it down until it's nothing. And my mom, kind of did that a little bit too when I was younger she would always say like a problem is like a cookie and if you crack it in half and share it with someone then it becomes less like Ah, (laughs) I'm totally I'm taking this advice because I'm gonna be using it with my kids yes (laughs) I I mean I I never knew um if she was right and because I'm everyone always wants to tell you like talk about it but as you get older I think you realize that the more you bottle stuff up the worse you just implode yeah it's not good no and then all of a sudden you find yourself like overreacting to small things and behaving like a person that you don't even know that's the worst yeah um actually it's it's interesting that we were talking about that because part of one of the other things that I wanted to talk about was that um and I don't know if I had mentioned this the last episode but I have uh a little bit of PTSD from one of my previous relationships so I've probably been out of the relationship for a good seven years. Okay. So that's a good chunk of time. Yeah. Um, 
but I, I, you know what, actually, even just saying that out loud, I realized that no amount of time can really, it does help, but I don't know if it ever really erases it. No. And, uh, at the time that I met this guy without going into all the gory details, I was getting over a relationship. I wasn't really getting over it. Actually. I was, I was just kind of drifting, um, <laughs> but I was getting, I was kind of going through this really terrible breakup of this, um, person that I, I very much loved. Mm. And, um, I was young and naive. Um, but at the same time, you know, it was just one of those breakups that hits you like a ton of bricks. Like you just don't see it coming at all. Um, right. sometimes you're in denial and, and you look back and you're like, okay, I, I probably could have seen that coming, but this one was just, it was like a tsunami. Like it came out of nowhere. Um, there was also a lot of family stresses that I was going through at the time. Okay. So my family was falling apart and then my relationship fell apart. And then naturally because of that, I fell apart. Right. And, um, I didn't handle it the best. I, I went right back to work and I just thought, okay, well, if I distract myself with something then I won't think about it. Yeah which is not what you should do. Like you said earlier, you have to take the time to sit in the pain. You have to take the time to grieve. Like it hurts, but it's work that you have to do to yeah. make yourself better. And I, <laughs> I did not do that at all. <laughs> um, again, like I was young. So I think I just, I was like, it's fine. It'll go away on its own. Right. Like yeah. it'll just, uh, dissipate. It'll disappear. That's such a common thought too. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like mental health. We feel the same way. We're like, Maybe if I just ignore it, it will go away on its own. Yeah. That never happens. Yeah. It never happens with anything. No. <laughs> um, so I was I was getting over that breakup and um, that was really hard. I think also because I was so young that it just was the first real breakup that I had, the first person that I ever really loved. And um, like they always say, the first cut is the deepest. So first cut is the deepest. I was just singing that in my head. <laughs> Who is that, Sheryl Crow? I'm pretty sure it's it Sheryl Crow. Yeah. Crow. <laughs> I was actually going to say, and not to quote Sheryl Crow or anything, but... Um, yeah. Woman is a legend, you know? A legend. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I was working at the time, um, I was working at a call center, I think, and I don't even know if I talk to people, I may have just sat in a chair and, and blankly stared into a book for hours. Like, I'm not even really sure what I did <laughs> because I, I think about me handling breakups now as an adult. And I'm like, I don't even know how I functioned through that, but I guess I, I made it work. So, um, I brought a lot of, I was really into super dark poetry at the time, probably yeah. because it just like, it actually made me feel something deeper than what I was feeling. Right. But I brought all these poetry books to work and I was like, if anyone talks to me, I'm just going to give them the middle finger and I'm not <laughs> even going to like entertain anything that they're saying. So, uh, kind of what I did, except I think a lot of people saw me and just kind of knew not to talk to me. <laughs> and, uh, you I just, were, you were that good. I think I was just, I was so angry and upset that they probably just felt the energy off of me to be honest. Yeah. Um, but there was this one guy who came over to me and started talking to me and trying to make me feel better. And at first I was kind of just like, who are you? Go away. Like, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure I said a lot of, a lot of more on like not very nice things at the time, but mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, I, I tried to get him to go away and he wouldn't. And, uh, again, without going into the gory details, it was just kind of a person who tried to make me feel no pain in all the pain that I was in, mm -hmm. which today I look back and I'm like, 
well, that's probably why they tell you that you have to be a wholesome person before you get into a relationship because this relationship went from bad to really, really, really bad very quick. We dated for two years. Um, to be honest, a lot of the beginning of our relationship was him telling me that my previous relationship never loved me. And it he did it in a very uh, gradual way. Yeah. It was almost uh, insidious. Like, it, it, it didn't feel like he was trying to hurt me at the time. It felt like he was trying to give me some information that I could use to help me get better. Yeah. Like saying, you know, don't don't pine over this guy because he hurt you so bad. He clearly doesn't care. And at first I was like, wow, this person is so brutally honest with me. They must care. Right. Yeah. And I realized that like most abusive relationships, it was just setting me up for trusting him, thinking that he knows me better than I know myself. Yeah. Which was not the case at all. And so for the first year it was, it was okay. Um, I would cry over my previous relationship because again, I wasn't over it when I started dating this guy. Mm -hmm. And, um, after so many nights of him consoling me, eventually it just became the fact that he got fed up and he was like, I can't live in someone else's shadow. And I was kind of just like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, I never really had time to process this. I, I'm still working my way through it. I'm still figuring out who I am, where I am, what I'm doing, where to go from here. Mm-hmm. I thought I had my life out in front of me and, and it just kind of like a rug got pulled out from underneath me. Mm-hmm. And, um, then the fights got worse and he would be mean, like he would call me pathetic and and like a drama queen and which would only obviously make me cry more because I'm like, holy shit, this guy is he knows everything about me. So obviously yeah. I'm doing something wrong and um, maybe I am really being a drama queen. Maybe I'm not handling this the way that I should be. And then naturally, like most abusive relationships go, it starts off emotional and mental and then it goes right into physical and at first I I didn't see it because there's just so many things you do in the heat of the moment when you're angry that both of you kind of regret Mm -hmm. it actually took me a good six months after the relationship to be like holy shit that was an abusive relationship and I did not see that at all Mm-hmm. Even while I was with him, even even when I would wake up in the mornings and get into the shower and stare off into the distance and think about leaving him. Mm-hmm. I never once thought this is an abusive relationship and I should probably get out of it. Um, I also never told a lot of my best friends what was going on at the time when I was dating the guy, because I think subconsciously I just I knew what they would say, especially mm-hmm. my best friend. I, I knew that she didn't like him. So I just purposely didn't tell her anything mm-hmm. uh, until afterwards. But anyway. Yeah, moved on to physical, and um, I mean, like, there's a lot of victims that have been very, very badly hurt from abusive relationships, and I don't feel like on a scale I had it that bad, but when I do think about it, I do still have PTSD in the sense that someone could yell something very loud, and I flinch immediately. Um, there's there's one thing that you, like, what you just said, like, on the scale of, like, what other people have gone through, I didn't really have it that bad, and... I just want to say that's something that I hear a lot. I know. Because it because you play it down in your own head. I know. I know. It's so true. Right? I, I yeah. Because it's just like, no, 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 compared to anybody else. I didn't have it that bad. But you know, it's funny actually, because there's a another point that I was gonna make later. Okay, um, sorry. Sorry. No, no, uh, but you're right, actually, because there's a healthy way to do that. There's a healthy way to realize that, you know. 
you don't have things as bad as you think you do and you have to appreciate life. But then there's also downplaying things that have happened to you. And I shouldn't. I shouldn't. Um, that That is a very good point, though. <laughs> there is a healthy way to yeah. acknowledge like what this what the status of it actually yeah. is. Yeah. And then there's the whole playing it down. And it's yeah. it's a difficult line trying to figure out what sh- what is being honest about what the situation was mm-hmm. and what is being. Uh, what is trying to play it down or play it up either yeah. way. Yeah. I guess what I, point. what I should say is if he was listening to this, I'm sure he would laugh uh, first and foremost, and then he would probably call me a liar. But like, I know things that are true to myself when I see myself react to things subconsciously that I, I can't control. Mm. Like, um, you know, getting in a fight with my significant other and if he yells or if he throws something across the room, even if it's a joke, you know, the loud noise and the sound of something hitting the wall or the floor immediately makes me think of when I dated this guy because what immediately followed after that was I'd hear a, uh, some kind of expletive, uh, a loud noise coming from another room and then I'd hear him stomping towards me and then that's when I'd like quiver because I, I knew that it was just a matter of time before he was actually going to hit me. And at first I started off me saying, he's never actually going to do it. And then, you know, the threats would become so violent that I, I actually started to think like, oh, he might actually be capable of doing this. Mm. And um, so I, I shouldn't play it down because it it's a really scary thing. And actually, my boyfriend had a friend come down from um, from Scotland and he's lived a very um, sheltered life, This this friend of his. And... I didn't realize how crazy everything I was saying about my abusive relationship was until I saw it on his face. And I mean, he kind of gave me the same look that you're giving me right now, you know, like, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And it's really terrible. And I hope you're okay. You know, like that same look that everyone gives you, it's not pity. It's like, it's sympathy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I mean, I, I granted again, like, I know that he's lived a very sheltered life, but I think you just, you don't see how insane it all is until you see it on someone else's face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things, or a lot of the, uh, I could say the exact same thing for mental illness, you know? You kind of just, things that have happened to you in your past, like even my suicide attempt, I play that down so much. And then I tell someone who's never met me before, and, you know, they've gotten to know little simplistic things about me over the few days, and then I say something like that and they're like, Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. And it all becomes more real to me that it actually happened. Mm. Um, cause I think we, we try to cope with a lot of different methods and some of them, maybe this is just a, a, a natural thing that we do, or maybe it's just the way that our brains were like designed. I don't know. But I think that we try to cope with a little bit of comedy, a little bit of erasing certain details. I don't know mm. if that's on purpose or subconscious or if it's just the way that we are, like, anatomically. I'm not sure. But I think that uh, you kind of just forget um, that it was so serious. And then someone kind of, you know, someone looks at you a certain way and you're like, <laughs> Ooh, wow, actually- you're right. That was bad. That was a dark part of my life. Yeah. Um, I- no, yeah, I was, yeah, I was just going to say, I, I know what you mean, because I was in an abusive relationship before Sean, mm-hmm. and it wasn't until I, I remember when I started telling my brother a little bit more of the details of what was going on, and my brother was like, I knew that that guy was a dick. He's like, but now I want to kill him. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, 
oh, it was pretty bad, actually. Yeah. My brother said the same thing, actually. That's really <laughs> funny. <laughs> like, exact same thing, word for word. I knew he was a dick, but now I want to kill him. Like, that exact same thing. It's just the protective brothers thing. It's the protective brothers thing, definitely. It's kind of funny. No matter how much you fight with your siblings, you're really there for each other when, yeah, when times get rough. Yeah. Even I, if it's just a comment like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. I even see it in my own kids. Like, they, when they're together, just them, they're, like, each other's worst enemies. Mm-hmm. Somebody else comes at them. They're just like, what did you just say? To my brother? <laughs> what did you say sister? to my brother? I know. What, like, I, you're going to regret that. Oh, it's so true. That's so true. I, me and my brother, um, we have a very close relationship now. We don't talk very much, but we have a very close relationship now. But when we were kids, oh, like, the things we used to say to each other... I could write, oh, I could write a very scary book on that. You know, like, I'm sure my parents at certain points were like, they're actually going to murder each other. <laughs> Maybe we should send them to different schools. Like, I'm, I'm sure that they had that thought. Um, but then, you know, like, life happened, and my brother got in this, he had this really bad breakup, and I had this bad breakup, and we both went through all these trials and tribulations through, like, relationships, through life in general, and... Um, I don't know when it was that we started. I think it was actually when he moved out because, I don't know, you live with someone long enough and they're bound to drive you crazy. It's kind of like even in relationships, I'm finding that, you know, my significant other and I, we've lived together for probably two out of three years we've been dating. And, yeah, sometimes <laughs> sometimes he snores and I just want to kick him out of the bed. Mm-hmm. But then other times I look at him and I'm like, I can't imagine my life without you. Mm-hmm. It's really, it goes both ways. But... I think that's because we've chosen to love this person, whereas family, you're kind of just forced together <laughs> in a room constantly. Right, yeah. Yeah, under the same roof. It's just, I, there's something so forceful about it that that's what, and they know how to push your buttons because they've known you the, like your entire life. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's it's like the second that he moved away, we realized like, wow, we didn't appreciate the time that we had together. And so when we do see each other, we should really take advantage of that. Mm. Um. But it's good. He's been uh, he's been the guiding force in a lot of stuff that I do. And um, honestly, he was the he was the biggest motivator, I think, when it came to fitness, because I mean, that's what he does. But also he just he feels so strongly about um, the connection between mental and physical health that it's really made it a lot easier for me because. Uh, no matter how many times I want to give up, he's always going to be there with like so many resources and so much information. And he's always going to have my back, whether I say, oh, this sucks and I want to give up or I'm I feel like I'm not eating the right things and I need to switch like a couple things up or like, am I doing this diet thing right? Like it doesn't matter what the question is, if it's in regards to my health, whether it's emotional, mental or physical, he's always going to be there. Mm. not just as my brother but as like a, a life coach of sorts I guess oh, so, so cool. it's really good yeah like I've got my friends and stuff for like instant motivation but I know that no matter what happens he's always going to be there in the background mm. um going back to something that I was saying earlier about uh how oh I forgot <laughs> oh sorry I think oh. Oh, you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, did. I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, going back to what we were talking about, how to know the difference between like downplaying something and then, um, you know, being grateful for what you have. Yeah. Um, 
a friend of mine who admitted to me today that she thinks that she's always had an eating disorder mm-hmm. was talking about this, which is why I wanted to talk about it because I, I don't know if this just happens in women or all people, to be honest, but um, I know that me personally, I have struggled a lot with my weight controls how my day is going. Mm. I look in the mirror the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning I go to the bathroom and I brush my teeth and that's like you know I have a full body mirror in my bathroom so (laughs) I look in the mirror and the first thing I do is decide whether or not I hate myself that day Mm. I decide how much guilt to take into the shower after that you know like it's I, I don't know why um I feel like I haven't always been this way so I don't know if it's society or if it's just some like inner demons or if it's things that Maybe my abusive relationship has said to me in the past. I don't know. But mm. I all I know is that if I feel terrible, if I feel like I look terrible, then mm. I decide that I feel terrible for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. I will cancel plans. I will not have as much fun while I'm out with people. It's, I don't know what it is. It's just, um, I don't even know if that's really what I would call an eating disorder or just general body dysmorphia. I'm not sure. But she um, she had a lot to say about why she felt she had an eating disorder. And then we talked about that, about how your weight controlling your day mm. and how, uh, again, how like physical and and emotional and mental health all tie in so much to each other. But she realized um, through having all these negative thoughts that she was like, I should be looking at life like, look at this beautiful day. Look at how much time I have still in my life, which I I had that same thought the other day. I was like, I'm 28 years old. Mm. I'm, I'm only 28. Like Mm -hmm. there are some times when I feel that that is old and I laugh at myself out loud because I'm like, (laughs) are you joking? (laughs) You have so much of your life left to live. I mean, granted tomorrow's not promised, but when you think of the grand scheme of things, (laughs) Mm-hmm. yeah, I've got a lot of time left. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of things that I want to do. I should be trying to do them. I should be trying to move toward my goals, you know? Um, but instead I'm, I'm getting sidetracked by all of these really negative thoughts and having those negative thoughts and not doing anything about it is not going to help me. It's kind of like when you were a kid and you'd cry over something ridiculous and your parents would say, crying's not going to help anything. Like, yeah, it does. It, it, it releases a, um, that energy. But then there's a certain point where you have to be like, I got to get up and fix it. Yeah. That's what I got to do. I got to put a Band-Aid on and I got to get up and fix it. Yeah. And um, so I've really been looking at my life in a more positive light lately uh, in the sense that instead of waking up and looking at myself in the mirror and saying, I feel fat today, so today's going to be a bad day. Or these pants don't fit me, so my life is shit, you know? Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, now it's become like, okay, I'm not where I want to be in the end. I'm not at my end goal yet, but uh, the point is that I'm going to try really, really hard today. I'm going to eat really healthy today, and I'm going to go to the gym today. And then I also forgive myself if I don't end, if I disappoint myself or I, like, fail. Um, I don't succeed in all the things that I wanted to do that day. Then I forgive myself, and I say, there's always tomorrow, like, Mm. And oh, I love that. it's been love that. it's been uh, really tough because I'm naturally a very cynical person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if, again, that's like my dad coming out in me, but um, he's very pessimistic as well. Okay. So I, I find it uh, even more of a challenge being optimistic about like little things. Mm. Um, so it's been really it's been a really tough journey for me. 
but I think it's, um, it has a lot to do with the fact that I do feel really good mentally and physically right now. So maybe it's just, I'm, I'm trying to tell myself like, you've already come this far. Why backpedal? You know, why like, why put myself in a place that I don't want to be when I've already done all this work to get myself where I want to go? Yeah. Why not do one more thing? Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, another thing that kind of put it in perspective is earlier this year, I lost my uncle to cancer and, uh, I've never lost anyone close to me other than him. Like, so that was, that hit me again, like a ton of bricks. Like it was like a tsunami of emotions that I didn't even know were there. Mm. Um, and he was 52. So I know like me saying that out loud, I'm actually realizing that I am over half of the, like, yeah, the age that I am. Yeah. Like I'm over half of his life, you know? So like if I thought about me passing away at 52, I, there's not a lot of time left, you know, and you really aren't guaranteed anything. Mm -hmm. So that's terrifying. (laughs) But also it was, um, yeah, it was really difficult, um, trying to keep your mental health stable when you lose someone. And I, like I know, I know that um, everyone goes through this at some point in their life, and a lot of my friends lost their grandparents or aunt and uncles really, really early in life, and it so it just I had never really understood um, how hard it was. But the thing I struggled with the most that it took me a really long time to correct was I saw no purpose in anything. I was like right back to being that kid that was on drugs that was like life is has no purpose whatsoever. And, um, and this wasn't even something that I did to myself, you know, this was just something that happened. And I kept saying to my boyfriend and my mom and my dad, like, I I don't understand the purpose of life when someone who has never done anything wrong, has never smoked, has never drank, dies of cancer at 52. And not only just like cancer, but like brain cancer, the exact same kind that Gordon Downey died from. In fact, he watched him die before he, he died of it. So it was, um... Yeah, it was, it was really, really, really hard. And it took me a really long time to come out of that really negative uh, mindset. Mm. But I, I don't even really know what got me out of it. I think a lot of it had to do with um, my aunt. She handled it with so much grace. Like, and she had lost the love of her life, right, at, at such a young age. Um, which, actually, he would be the second person that she lost to to cancer, um, so like, I'm, I know I'm even imagine doing that once, like not only once, but twice. twice um, yeah. and this really was like the love of her life. They had been married for, God, it must've been like 24, 25 years. Um, wow. yeah, it was, it was really, really, really hard, but she said something the night that he died that was always stuck with me. And I don't know why I, I'm, I've come with a couple different c- conclusions as to why it would be that way. But, um, she walked in the night that he died and we were all waiting for them, like his daughter and his son and then my aunt. Um, and when she came in, she just ran into my arms and hugged me. And I thought she was going to say something like, I miss him so much. I'm so sad. But she hugged me and she said, it was so peaceful. And I realized that it was because the last two years of his life, he was fighting this disease that he knew he wasn't going to win against. And it was probably really hard to watch someone lose when they were fighting so hard so it was probably very chaotic in certain ways um and yeah it was just that was really inspirational for me because I think that's when I realized like 
it's not about um, how you feel after someone passes away. It's about the importance of their life. And yeah, and it it was, um, I I kept looking at it in such a, I don't want to call it selfish, but I was just, I was in my own bubble and I was looking at it. I was being so negative because I was looking at it, how I felt about the situation. And I never even thought to think about all the things that he accomplished in life that he was so proud of. And he did a lot, man. Like when I really think about it, I'm like, he lived enough to probably, (laughs) probably have made it to 80. Like he did a lot in his life. That's awesome. And if he was at peace by the end, then why can't I be? And, um, that's exactly how it was. Like I got to say goodbye to him. I got to hug him goodbye. I, we got to talk about memories before he died. Um, I, you know, and she, I got to sing at his, uh, he didn't really have a funeral. He had more of, um, I don't know what they call them. They're like, like a celebration of life. Yes. Um, yeah, like a more positive funeral. And, Mm. uh, it was great. I got to sing at it and that was a lot of fun, uh, being around people that loved him as much as I did and they were really moved by it. So that was great. Mm. But, um, maybe that's when things started to turn around for me because, uh, you know, I, I looked at this very selfless love that my aunt had for my uncle. And I thought that if the closest person in his life can feel that way, why can't I? And then I, I don't know, I just started looking at things on a, uh, I did a tailspin and I started looking at things in a more positive way because, um, we all go through again, like trials and tribulations, like everybody goes through shit, but I think it's, Oh, actually one of my favorite quotes that I swear to this day, like I'm going to get this tattooed on me somewhere. I don't know where, and I don't know how, but it's going to go. And, uh, it's, uh, by one of my favorite poets, Charles Bukowski. And it says, uh, what matters most is how well you walk through the fire, which means it doesn't matter that you made it there. It matters that you supported yourself, that you, you know, like your thought process through the whole thing, through healing is the most important part. Because if you, if you just stay negative, you're going to keep yourself in the same exact place. But if you actually look at it like a journey, then you're going to improve. And that's beautiful. I know. And he, like, uh, he was a very crude writer. So, uh, it was very rare that he said things that were that beautiful, but that has always stuck with me through many, many years. And I had to remember things like that when, when I was mourning the, the loss of my uncle, Mm. just that it's like, yeah, it's, um, the power of positive thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Like people have said before, you know, like it's, it's actually all in how you get through it. Yeah. That's the best part of the journey. That's when you learn the most too. Like, whether it's breakups or um, the loss of a family member or someone you love, um, I feel like the most therapeutic part of it is actually getting through it. It's not, you know, being at the other side. It's the support system that you have the whole time. It's it's everything. Like the journey is, <laughs> what was that? I, I keep forgetting this um, quote that I'm sure I saw on a bumper sticker once, but <laughs> <laughs> it was, uh, what matters, m- no. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the destination, it's the journey or something like that. Yeah, that sounds, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I probably saw it in a journal or something and was like, that's inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, it is true. Like, yeah, no matter what true. you're going through, it's yeah. totally, totally true. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's actually a lot of my friends that have lost, um, lost people that have been very close to them within the last year. And so it's been tough, but yeah, again, like, when you have friends or family members that have been through that before you were born or even during like a, it's 
they can just help. It's that whole support system where people can just, they can relate. Yeah. Oh God, that's such a nice thing actually. Just thinking about that. Um, I, I, it depends on, uh, I guess who you surround yourself with and cause there's definitely negative influences as well as positive influences. But, mm. uh, my best friend, actually both of my best friends, um, have been really, really great in the fact that they've both experienced a lot in their lives, mm. um, even at the ripe age of 28, 29. So I am really thankful that they've gone through different things because, most of my uh, young adult life, I was always the person who was wise beyond my years because I went through things at such an early age. Mm. And that, to be blunt, sucked. It was awful because yeah. no one could relate to me. And so I'd try to sit down and talk to people and have this support system. And then no one could relate. No one could support. Like, no one could talk to me about it because no one... No one knew how I was feeling. I was the first of my friend group to go through a, a bad breakup, even though it was, you know, it was very um, juvenile at the time. Like it was, <laughs> it was not something that was like important in my life in the scale of my relationships. Um, but I was the first person to ever go through that in my friend group. So a lot of my, my close friends at the time just couldn't really help me through it because they had no idea what I was feeling. Mm. Um, same with like a lot of family issues. A lot of my friends, like they weren't, uh, they didn't have any kind of underlying family issues and they're, and yeah, it just, I don't know. It, it was really hard growing up and not having someone to help you through things because especially if you have family issues, then, um, it's not like you could go to your parents about it. Yeah. So I, that's probably why, um, that's probably when I, I, should have noticed that I was having mental health issues, but back then it wasn't, uh, wasn't talked about as much. No. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. I'm really happy that this generation is turning that around actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How awesome is this generation? Yeah. Like they're, I mean, and it's cool to think that a lot of the, where the, this generation is now is because of the work that previous generations have done. Mm-hmm. Like we're so we're able to like talk more about this because there was somebody in generations before us who was like, you know what, this is a problem. This is a problem. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Um, actually, going back to uh, the whole weight issue, one of my friends said something about how, um, and I think this is important because the same can be said for mental health issues. But she described this. Um, negative feeling about her weight like a cloud over her head mm. which is again like it gets tied a lot of the time to depression because that's how it feels like there's just dark cloud following you and you can't get out of it yeah and um yeah she had said that that's exactly how she felt like there was this dark cloud that was following her around and that she wanted to change it by starting to live based on her outlook. So again, like tomorrow is not promised and that you should be uh, taking things up as they come. Mm. And one of the things she, she kept saying to me was like, you're only young once. And I always thought that was a really weird quote, but now I'm, I'm starting to think about um, my grandparents used to say like youth is wasted on the young. Mm. And mm. I'm at that age where I am seeing things from both sides. Actually, there's a part of me that, puts on loafers at 8 p.m. and like crawls into bed and then there's the part of me that gets like really bad FOMO and I just want to go out with my friends and I'm probably not missing anything but you know you just you have that fear yes and so 
it's a really rocky area because on one hand, I'm judging all these 19-year-olds and I'm like, oh, if I was 19 again, I would not make that deci- that same stupid mistake mm-hmm. that you're making, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> and then the other side, I'm, I'm also thinking about having a family and, and, and that seems like a nice thought to me, you know, like moving into um, that part of my life. But again, like it's, it's almost like I'm in a game of tug of war between two different like worlds. Yeah. And um, no one talks about that. Actually, no one does. No, uh, and I, I mean, I thought I was kind of crazy for like feeling that way because I was like, wow, am I just um, one of those people that's getting older and like is so scared of getting older that I, I try to go back into my youth. Like, I actually had that crazy thought, and then I started talking to people, and they're like, you know what? I, I've actually, I've gone through that too, and mm. I realized that no one talks about that. Um, but I don't know if it's people just might not want to admit it. I'm not sure. Um, or maybe just no one's actually taken the time to really assess like why they're feeling that way. And so, yeah, back to the original point. Um, the reason I think I've been feeling that a lot lately is because I'm starting to turn my thoughts from negative to positive And I'm starting to think about all this time that I have left in my life while also realizing that life is short. Mm. And so instead of looking back on my youth and saying, I shouldn't have made all these mistakes and like that's what led me to all these negative things that are happening today. I'm starting to say like uh, there's all these things that I still want to do that I should be focusing on trying to get to. So maybe that's why they say youth is wasted on the young because you don't – I don't think you realize – uh, all the things that you can accomplish, like all the positive things you can accomplish when you're yes. younger. Yeah. yeah. You end up just making dumb mistakes to find out who you are. Yes. Um, which sucks because, man, if I could go back to being 19 and I had the same mentality I have now, I could rule the world, you know? <laughs> like that's, <laughs> that's how I feel. I, I know. I have that same feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, it's good that I have that feeling because it makes me realize, again, I'm only 28. I've I've got to keep going. I've got to really set my goals in motion and try to accomplish something um, that I'm really, really proud of. And so step by step, I've been trying to do that. Um, and it all it is is just, again, like it's step by step. It's small baby steps. Um, so the first thing that first week was just trying to get my diet under control. That's not difficult. Oh my God. Especially in summer when everyone's like, go get this donut at fortune donuts. And, or, uh, there's all these new restaurants and they have these amazing food dishes. And I'm, I'm like, well, it's chicken and rice for me, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but it really, it teaches you discipline. So I've had to really discipline myself over the last four months. And, uh, it's been a good thing. Um, just because, I think that teaches you a lot about your mental health too, that uh, it's, again, it's okay not to be okay. Mm. And like you said earlier, you have to sit in the pain. You have to try to, to get through it. Um, And some people that's different things. Some people it's medication, some people it's therapy, some people it's uh, just taking the time to grieve over what, whatever you're going through. Me personally, I like talking through uh, my anxiety attacks. I don't know a lot of people that do that, but I actually sit there and tell myself, it's okay. This is just an anxiety attack. It's going to go away. It always does. You know that it always does because you have good days and bad days. And um, 
I don't know why it works for me. I have no idea. Um, because when I was younger, I, I feel like I had to actually have someone like squeeze me and coddle me and like hold me close. And now it's just become to a point where it's almost like I just, I need to take control because I'm controlling so many other things about my life that I, I just need to control this. So like, it's almost like, a through trying to control it, I'm accepting that I do have no control and that this is just something that is going to happen to me for the rest of my life, probably. And I've got to find ways to live with it, not just survive, but like live with it. Yeah. Oh. So it's been good. Yes. I'm good. I'm great. That's so wise. You just packed in so much wisdom in 56 minutes. I'm very happy that I was able to do that, actually. I think I just talk a lot. That's... <laughs> the thing is, it's like when you're speaking, you're getting right to the point. You're not wasting time and you're very clear on what you're communicating. It's good. I'm glad. You're incredibly effective. <laughs> no one's ever told me that before, actually. Um, no? No, I've, I have had certain people in my life say that uh, I should be a public speaker and I... You should be. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I get... I mean, this is different because it's it's like I'm talking to a friend, so that's really nice. Yeah. Um, oh, but thank you. talking to a big group of people, I guess it, it's so it's an uncontrollable it's a it's like the unknown. It's an uncontrollable situation. You really don't know how people are going to react. Yeah, um, it, but I do like uh, passing on knowledge that I've realized only because I wish that I had that when I was younger. And the people that I find very influential, even whether it's just through social media, mm -hmm. it's the same thing for them. I'm sure they don't know how someone's going to react to something, but I think that's great that it's put out there in the world so that uh, if someone is feeling a certain way and they happen to stumble upon it, that that resource is there for them. Mm. Um, half the time I find things on social media, it's just because I'm stumbling through other people's profiles and it just... I don't know. You get recommended certain things. It's kind of creepy. Ads are like spying on you. It's weird. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's terrifying. But it, it does end up leading me some good places. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's good. You were, yeah, you were very well spoken. Thank so. you very much. I appreciate the, the compliment. Yeah. I, I like this is the second time we're in. I love having you on. Like, I'm very happy to be back. Good. Yeah. I'm so glad. Thank you so much. And like, thank you for like taking time out of your night. And I've had to reschedule on you last minute. This <laughs> summer has been a bit of an unpredictable one, but, um, you put up with me. This is why we night. both hate summer. I'm sure. I, must be. I know. I actually said it out loud too. You actually said I'm it so now. sorry to everyone who loves summer, but I know we're both very sorry to all of you who love summer. <laughs> it's neither of our favorite season. No. So like, it's, <laughs> it's lovely. We can understand why all of you really like it. Mm -hmm. It's just not for us. No, nope, not for us. Yeah. And at least we okay. can admit it. At least we can admit it. Yeah. Yeah. Fall is, is the best. At. Oh my God. I know. And I, <laughs> I, I feel so basic saying that, but we talked a little bit about how the summer transitioning into fall, that's the best. It's like a micro season. It's perfect. Yes. So just want to make you guys all aware of that so you can appreciate it when it comes. Yeah. Cause it's on its way. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be coming up pretty shortly. It's right around the corner. So just know that and be aware of it. <laughs> yeah. That's all we have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you again. And do you want to just, uh, I know that usually I ask that question. Do you have any modifications of what it looks to you to be mentally healthy? Ooh, you know what? Um, I would say that what I really want to work on in the future that I would consider myself to be at my best would be... Um, 
being able to control my diet and get to a, a, a more confident space when it comes to my fitness. Mm-hmm. And then I'm actually going to change this question by saying that I think I will feel most mentally healthy when I am able to help someone like you are doing with me right now. Oh my gosh, you just totally gave me such a compliment that I immediately felt it in my face. (laughs) (laughs) I actually know exactly what you mean by that. (laughs) Like, again, it's like the humidity in the summer. It just hits you. Like, yeah. 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 No, I I don't know. I, uh, I just, that's, I just want to be able to do that for someone too. Thank you. You're welcome. You, you are like I'm speechless. <laughs> I'm glad I've never done that to someone before. That's good. I'm glad. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you as well. Thank you again for your time. You're, you're amazing. This so, is the most Canadian conversation I've ever heard in my life. Thank you. Sorry. Thank you. thank you. I'm sorry and thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, everyone listening, like again and. Th- like, thank you. Thank you for taking the time. Like you, all of you are making this amazing. And actually I'll like give a little announcement. Um, Sean posted about this actually on social media, but, um, optimistically depressed was listed under on iTunes under the mental health, uh, section as one of the all time, uh, podcast best all time you know what I'm trying to say. I can't even, I didn't see the thing is, you know, it was like this, and maybe this is a Canadian thing. It's like you try to be kind of humble. So you're like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's really awesome. I'm not going to pay too much attention to it though. Cause I don't want it to get all to my head. Mm-hmm. So now I haven't paid enough attention that I can't actually remember what it actually was. <laughs> best podcast, best of all time. <laughs> it was something all time. Best podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm butchering this. I'll get it right on my and I'm pro- I'll probably mention it again in another in an intro to another podcast. So, I'll get it right then. But anyway, I'm stumbling and struggling through that just to say <laughs> that it's because of all of you and you Kristen, like people like you that helped make this like that made that possible. And so I'm so grateful to everyone for making that something like that's an incredible accomplishment. And it's obviously something I didn't do alone. So I'm just humbled and grateful. And so with that, I'm going to say, all of you, seriously, just know that wherever you are, I am sitting here with Kirsten. We're both sitting here (laughs) loving you. So uh, I hope you have a great night, morning, evening, afternoon. We will be talking to you soon. Bye. Bye.